When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, everyone, welcome back in to another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by Alex Barth from 98.5 Sports Hub. And we have a football game to talk about because the Patriots... Finally. Finally. Enough with the training camp practices for a day or two, but uh, we have football, a real game to talk about, kind of, because Patriots opened their preseason last night with a 20-9 loss to the Houston Texans at Gillette Is that the score? 20-9, right? I, I, it might have been. I have no idea, man. <laughs> I have no clue. It says it on the graphic below. So I think okay, we'll go with that being the it was, The joke being, it's the preseason. Yeah, miss, miss extra points, miss two point conversions. We had the whole preseason experience last night. It, it was yeah. a slog. It was a slog, but um, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was sickos football, right? With yes. Trace McSorley, oh, yeah. but um, yeah, it kind of had some of those like Jets games last year vibes to it, but um. That's the preseason. That's the preseason for you. No Mac Jones, not a lot of offensive starters, some defensive starters in, but some good, some bad, as the preseason tends to do. But I think maybe the biggest takeaway here is the offensive line, right? Because they didn't have any of their five starters, but it's what we've been talking about all throughout training camp. We weren't lying to you when it said it didn't look good when the depth pieces were in there. And we saw the depth pieces in there last night, and there was no room on the ground. Bailey Zappi was under pressure constantly all night. And the offense kind of reflected that, a lot of screens and some of that short game stuff. So that that was maybe the biggest down of the night was, was that offensive line. Yeah, it, it it really made evaluating the offense as a whole tough. And we'll, we can get into the receivers, we can get into the running backs, but – I, look, there's good and bad news here with the offensive line. The bad news is everything you saw last night, your eyes were not lying to you. There is no, well, actually this, well, actually that. It was as ugly as it looked. So where's the good news then? Four, if not five of those starters should not play in the regular season. We'll see what happens at right tackle with Riley Reef and Connor McDermott. I have a Riley Reef take. I do want to get into Brian where we do the offensive line, but just big picture here. Those were all backups. So the offensive line shouldn't, look like that that being said like even even the good news part is a caveat here we know trent brown's injury prone they're dealing with injuries now in the interior already you hope they don't need to need to go to those guys the the offensive line depth has not been good enough it was never good enough 
and you saw it last night. It'll be better when they get the starters back, but it is going to be a razor thin margin. It is going to have to be something they account for. So again, they were down at least four starters last night. Trent Brown, Mike Gunwin, who Cole Strange, David Andrews didn't play, which fine, whatever. I have no problem with that. Riley Reef also was a DNP. I found that very odd and kind of disappointing because we know they want him to be the starting right tackle. They paid him like a starting right tackle. He was the starting right tackle back in the spring. He was the starting right tackle in the start of camp. But we saw him start to get bumped by Connor McDermott. Yet last night, McDermott was out there both left and right tackle. McDermott's not a left tackle. No reason to experiment with that. He's not. That doesn't mean he's a bad right tackle, but he's not a left tackle in no sense of the word. So he goes out there, plays both sides, and we don't get to see Riley Reef at all. So, so maybe they were down four starters. Maybe they were down five, depending on who wins that right tackle battle. Me, personally, I think Riley Reef needs to work. I know he's 34, and, and, and I know that you probably want to be careful with him. I think he could have used the reps. I think the reps would have been more valuable because the gap between him and Connor McDermott is not that big right now. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed that Riley Reef didn't play to see him get the veteran treatment when – I'm not saying that all – you know. Jalen Mills played. Jalen Mills to me is an established member of this team, a guy that's going to make the roster and play a key role. Um, I'm trying to think who else played last night that, that would fit that description. Jack Jones. Well, I guess he needs the reps because he might get suspended. That's a bad example. But um, you saw it. Uh, Bledsoe played 100%. Josh, Joshua Bledsoe played a ton. Yeah. Well, he's a guy that might be fighting for roster. Yeah. But I don't know. I J- Jalen Mills to me, like Jalen Mills, I, I'm much more sure about Jalen Mills than I am about Riley Reef. Yeah. I, I really wish Riley Reef had played last night because we I have no idea where he's at. Based on what I've seen in camp, it's not good. I I think that they really could have used a, some game reps to evaluate him. I think that would have been very helpful. And we haven't seen him on the right side at all at, in, in camp either, right? Because Trent Brown's been out with that injury or whatever that is. So Reef's been like primarily the left tackle with McDermott on the right side, and that battle is on the right side, and we haven't seen Reef there at all, really. And when he's on the left in camp, he hasn't been that impressive. So seeing him like full contact in the preseason game would have been nice. And you mentioned, and it's not even like they put they put McDermott over there. Like we didn't really see either of them. We saw McDermott at right tackle eventually, but that was against the the back end of the Texans roster. So they apparently wanted nobody getting a look at their right tackle position last night. I don't think that's a great sign. Like big picture. No, the entire offensive line is not going to be as much of a sieve as it was last night. You can calm down with that. Uh, if you want to be very worried about the right tackle position in particular, I wouldn't push back on that. I would say that's fair. That's fair. Absolutely. Cause you'd expect that top end talent to come back. Right. And be better, especially that interior three to allow Mac Jones, you know, step up in those pockets. But yeah, if you have an injury there, and we know those guys are injury prone, David Andrews is getting up there in age. You see the limited depth there, and then that, that right tackle is the big one because when McDermott was on the left, he he didn't have a really good game. He had a false start, had trouble run blocking, pass yeah. blocking, so it, it just wasn't a pretty picture over there. I agree. I would have liked to seen Reef, but who knows? Maybe they're just monitoring his workload as a 34 year old. Let's see it in joint practices the next two weeks or whatever. But I think you're at a position right now at that spot where you need these guys getting reps and having kind of a full-blown competition there. Yeah, again, it's just, I don't know what they're waiting for, but but it, it almost feels like they don't want to go forward with that right tackle position because they don't like what they're going to find. But you got to rip the Band-Aid off at some point. 
They're keeping like, them under wraps. Right, right tackles aren't aren't walking through that door. A starting caliber right tackle is not walking through that door. You got to figure out something. And if they think Riley Reef has shown enough that he deserved the standing that some of those other veterans who didn't play, I don't know, man. That'd be really concerning because I I don't think he's shown anything close yeah. to that in camp. They got to be looking at something different at that point than what we're yeah. seeing because it's not doesn't look like that. But with that kind of bad offensive line, mentioned a lot of screens. We can talk about the running backs here for a second because that was a position we were both watching closely. Can one of these sophomore uh, running backs, Pierce Strong, Kevin Harris, kind of say, hey, we don't need a Zeke Elliott or a veteran running back in this room. We got it. Kind of surprising they played a lot of J.J. Taylor throughout the night. I think he had the most reps. Yeah, the Strong and Harris had 15. Taylor had 22. But then even when these guys got the ball, there just wasn't much running room to work with with that offensive line. So kind of a tough night to evaluate those backs too. Yes and no. I, look, there were times where they certainly didn't have room to run, but they didn't help themselves either. I thought yeah. Kevin Harris, yeah. a guy that's as strong as he is, not an aggressive runner. He's looking for the hole. He's not trying to create yardage on his own, lowering his shoulder. He, he needs to do more of that if, if he's going to be an NFL running back. And then with Pierre Strong, I thought there were times where he got the ball in space and didn't trust his speed and maybe try to get too creative and, and lost his footing. There was one where what was it? it was like a pitch or an outside handoff off off the, the, the left tackle. that Or no, he caught a swing pass. These are both in the passing game. He caught a swing oh, yeah. pass out yeah. on the left side on a third down, and I thought he just tried to get way too creative with the initial move, and it took too long, and a second defender was able to come in. And then there was another swing pass on the right side with Zappy in the game where it did, I don't know if the Texans blitzed or missed the read or whatever, but there was tons of room. But the problem is strong took a little too long getting into the route and Zappy had a, had a pump and, and hold and then go. And in that split second, you know, a defender was able to close and, and it ended up being like a five yard game, but it probably could have been 20 at least. So not a great showing from either of them. And yeah, I think now you're getting to the point where, all right, who are we going to bring in as a veteran back? Cause we had sort of talked about this as maybe which one of those guys pops dictates the veteran you bring in Kevin Harris pops. You go get that third down back Leonard Fournette, Pierre strong pops. You go get the early down back uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Well, neither of them are popping. I'd still call Zeke and make Ramondre Stevenson, essentially your passing down back and just have Zeke take all the tough carries. But if you wanted to tell me that they're going to call Fournette and and he's going to catch the ball a little bit, I wouldn't uh, oppose that either. I just had Mark Daniels on the Sports Hub Patriots podcast, which people can check out on 98.5thesportshub.com. He says it, it's his belief that the Patriots have offered Ezekiel Elliott a contract. So there is maybe something in motion there. But yeah, I, I do think that they need to go out and try to find a running back. So that's interesting. Would that be so Zeke's waiting, not the team? Like they're not waiting for joint practices to give these sophomores a chance. They're just maybe Zeke's testing. Maybe I look, I, I've said this before. I, I'm not even if it's a decent contract, it it makes all the sense in the world for Zeke to wait. Yeah. You you might get more money if somebody gets hurt in camp. You might get, you know, Dalvin Cook resets the market. You get to go back and, and talk about having it, you know, getting more money. Uh, or maybe he just doesn't want to do a ton of practice. Maybe he knows he's in football shape and he can just learn the playbook in two weeks and hit the ground running in, in week one. So it, it, I, I said this before, it didn't surprise me that either side was waiting, but yeah, the, the backs are probably waiting a little more than the Patriots are. 
you'd rather just keep putting out those trash can videos running on trash cans now than actually <laughs> going through training camp. But um, let's talk about a good good thing from the night. Tyquan Thornton, right? We've talked about a lot quiet kind of training camp. He's been limited at times. He was out there a decent amount last night, and he had maybe their offensive play of the day, which was something we haven't seen of camp when he went up and kind of called in a, a catch at the catch point there. So that was good signs because that was something he was struggling throughout camp and, and something we wanted to see from him. Yeah, the exact kind of catch we've been we've been saying he needs to make. And he, he didn't make it through contact with the defender. And look, we're being honest, it was a little bit of a hospital ball. Jalen Petrie, not the best read. He could have taken Taekwon's head off there, but goes up high, snatches the ball away from his body, hits the ground hard, maintains possession. I thought he had another, you know, that other catch in the flat, I thought was a good sign too. Just, you know, not shying away from contact, kind of lowering his shoulder, trying to pick up extra yards. It was good. It was good from Taekwon Thornton. I know people think I've been hard on him. I don't think I've been as hard on him as some people think I have, but I thought he had a good night last night. I thought he had the night he needed to have last night. He was never going to play, you know, half the game. He was always going to be a couple drives. And with the offensive line play the way it was, it's not exactly great for a receiver who's running deep because you're not going to have time to throw the deep ball. And they didn't last night. But no, that one catch, that kind of checked a bunch of boxes. We said he isn't checked. So we'll see if he can keep doing it. But remember, he had a good practice on Tuesday. That last training camp practice, he caught a couple passes. And now he has a good game. So this is kind of how camp goes. It's all about momentum. It's all about runs. And he dug himself quite the hole. And, and he's got a ways to go to dig out of it, dig out of it. But he's starting. And so that's a good sign. Yeah. And and someone, I want to bring this up. Someone said one good catch doesn't redeem Taekwon, which is correct. He's got correct. he's got a stack these days, has some good joint practices. But the fact that that catch, what it was, the one he was struggling with throughout camp, he had multiple balls last week like in his hands and then swatted away or, or broken up so he's got a long way to go but th- but that was a, a good sign especially that one play so hopefully yeah can... i mean that's how it starts it doesn't undo yeah. everything but it, it you know you got to start with one catch and then you make another and then another it's one it's one at a time that's just got to be the mentality yeah. mm-hmm. and then that next big offensive positive malik cunningham well hey real quick before you i tease oh. cunningham but i i do have more one... pass catcher yeah, so so two more on the pass catchers on the rookies. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super encouraging to tomorrow Douglas didn't play his on. Yep. I think it's possible the Patriots are as high on him as we are. Because yep. Bill kind of said after the game, we saw what we need to see from him. So I, I think that they're as high on him as we are. That's exciting. As for Kayshawn Booty, he, did he have one? He had one catch, right? I think, I think two. two. I was watching him actually a good amount of the night because I, I didn't need to watch exactly with the ball it's just him running around with it not faulting him faulting the line like it was just him running for his life and then and then mcsorley too uh but he, he got open a couple times yeah and booty got did get open a couple times and i think if the quarterback had time to actually go through a progression which again not faulting zappy for that faulting the line if the quarterback actually had time to go through their possession i think kashan booty might have had some moments last night so i decent game for him i it didn't look like it. You got to kind of go into the film to find it. But, you know, when they go in and they look at it and they evaluate, I think they're going to see that he was getting open. Yeah. So he had two catches for seven yards. So it doesn't pop off the box score, but there were moments. I think there was one third down. I think Zappy was still in. They kind of ran like he was on a post and they had someone, I forget if it was just a vertical or a wheel or something. And it looked like he was winning that post yeah. downfield, but 
there was just pressure and I think it was Zappy Zappy. I know speed. yeah, I know exactly which player you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he couldn't get it to him. So that's the type of thing. Like when they go back and look at it, they might say, Hey, you know, Booty had a nice nice day there. If you have that starting offensive line, that maybe that uh shows up in the box. Looks a little different. And and yeah. and he played a lot. So he had a lot yeah. of chances to kind of prove he he was playing in offense, I think, into the third quarter, right? And then he was returning punts late in the game. So they gave him plenty of chances, which is a good sign. Yeah. He had, I don't know. Which just because people are going to go in the comments, oh, so you said Demario Douglas not playing is a good sign, but Keishon Booty playing a lot is a good sign. You 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 want to either not play at all, or like you either want to play very little, or if you start, play continuously. The one thing you don't want to be is the guy that doesn't play until the second half. Yeah, that's really the worst thing that could, like 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 Thyrick gets right didn't play until the second half. That's the guy we know is not making the team. So the fact Keishon Booty started and played as much as he did, like. The guys that play late, that's all right. We got to finish this game up. Get in there. What, what Kayshawn Booty's usage is, is kind of, all right, you've shown us something. We want an extended evaluation on you. So we want to learn more. You've opened our eyes. You've piqued our interest. What can you show us if if we give you some more reps? So that's what I thought Kayshawn Booty's usage was last night. It's not as good as, yeah, we're not going to play it because we already know what we got, and Demario Douglas, but I don't think it's a negative he played as much as he did either. If, if he hadn't started, and he was playing, you know, into the second half, then I would say like, all right, yeah, they, they might not be super high on them, but I thought it was, it wasn't super alarming his usage in making the team. Yeah. He had 32 snaps, 62%, but he started, that was the big thing and then kept going. But yeah, Douglas, two offensive snaps. He had the one, the one punt return that he just fair caught. So I saw a lot of people saying like, are they hiding him to try to get him on the practice squad? I think there's so much hype around him already. And I kind of agree with you. I think, they're high on him too. That skill set. I mean, he's been uncoverable throughout training camp. So, I think they just kind of say like, "Hey, you're you're on the roster right now. We don't really need to see much more from you." So, right, you see it in joint practices. Exactly. Yep. But All right, now, now let's get to the guy everybody wants us to get to. The fun stuff, Malik Cunningham. He did play like four or five snaps at receiver, I believe. But then the I think it was more than that. I, I thought he had a couple drives. I don't know how it looks on the... How many snaps did he play on offense? 26. All right, so he played 12 at receiver then. Okay. Because that last play was a 14-play drive, if I did my math right. right. 12 plus 14 is 26. So some work at receiver, but the fun stuff was at quarterback, which is what we wanted to see. And he got the one touchdown drive, which you kind of expected it to look better with him in there with that offensive line because he could run around, but it was fun. And he had some good passes too. That one to Trey Nixon should have been a touchdown. It kind of went through his hands. And then that juke he put on that poor Texans linebacker to score the lone touchdown. Still looking for his shoes. Was nasty. But um, yeah, where are you at with kind of Malik after that performance? So, all right, let's, there's tears to this. Mac Jones job is not in jeopardy. Yep. Bailey Zappi's job is not in jeopardy yet. Where I'm at with Cunningham is I think he has shown enough at this point. So the, the real thing, like coming in, and I had this take on Zolak and Bertrand yesterday, the QB3 competition between him and McSorley, who's going to win the training camp spot and the scout team quarterback spot. Uh, McSorley's done. That has been definitively decided. He's I don't think done. that that's a surprise. <laughs> yeah, it, it was probably always going to go that way, but we've now officially seen it. Like you can you can put the stamp on it. The, the next question for me with Malik Cunningham is can he show them enough as a passer 
where they can build offensive packages around him. Because what you bring back in now is that emergency quarterback role that's been put in this year. And as a reminder, what that is, so the player, the quarterback has to be on the active roster. You can't elevate somebody from the practice squad and make them your emergency quarterback. But if they're on your 53, you can dress three quarterbacks and one of them does not count against the game day 46. So it doesn't count against a healthy scratch. The, the only thing is that emergency quarterback can't play unless the other two get hurt. So I, and but, but here's the thing. I don't know that Malik Cunningham needs to pass Bailey Zappi on the depth chart for that to come into effect. He just needs to show enough as a passer that you can build a package around him, that it's not a run only package. And that throw for to, to, to Trey Nixon last night is very encouraging because essentially what you can do is Mac Jones is your starter, right? Malik Cunningham is your backup yeah. on game days. So he can come in and out of the game at will. However he wants, you can do, you can run packages with him, and, and you can use him as a wide receiver. You can use him as a goal line quarterback, whatever. And then Bailey Zappi is your emergency quarterback. He's the guy that doesn't come in unless the other two get injured. The downside to that is if Mac gets hurt, you either have to finish the game with Malik Cunningham. But again, this is why he needs to show you enough as a passer that you feel like he could finish a game. Or maybe, you know, if Malik Cunningham gets hurt, then Bailey Zappi would come in anyway. And then if you're not comfortable with Malik Cunningham being a full-time quarterback, which I do think he has to develop a bit to get there, like I'm talking a year or two, then, you know, Bailey Zappi's your week-to-week backup. And so Mac Jones gets hurt in a game. Malik Cunningham finishes it because Bailey Zappi's the emergency quarterback. And then the next game, Bailey Zappi starts with Malik Cunningham as his regular backup, no third emergency if Mac Jones is out. That, to me, should be the end game here for Malik Cunningham and the Patriots. Can you get to the point where Malik Cunningham has shown you enough that he could be a package player and you can take advantage of that uh, of that emergency QB spot. For him to do that, he has to prove that, that you know he has to earn a 53-man roster spot. He has a couple more drives like he had last night. He's going to do that. I don't know that he's there yet. Uh, spoiler alert, I do, him on, I do have him on my roster projection. I have him on the 53rd player. I have him as the 53rd player, but I think that's the conversation we start having now around Malik Cunningham is can he give them enough that they can take advantage of that emergency quarterback rule. Yep. Which that's, by the way, if that's what they do, will be changed like instantly five weeks, like by Halloween. Yeah. But they, you can at least start off with it. They don't play the Ravens this year, but Harbaugh would have that change. Harbaugh would have a conniption before the next game for the next game week. But um, yeah, that that's a good point. That, that would kind of be the next thing if he can be enough as a passer to do that. But I don't know. I've always been, practice squad guy scout team quarterback as he continues to develop but if he keeps doing that i don't know i mean another team would have to take a chance on him right on their 53 especially with all these offenses that are kind of going towards that mobile quarterback nowadays yeah i mean i i think a team that has a more mobile quarterback he'd make sense if a team if another team wants to do that emergency third qb thing he, he'd make sense if a team has more roster flexibility um, I also still don't rule out them develop, developing as, him as a receiver. I think that's ultimately their plan for him long-term. Look, if their plan was truly develop him as a quarterback, he'd have been practicing as a quarterback this whole time. He'd have been wearing a red non-contact jersey like the rest of the quarterbacks. He'd be going through practice reps with the quarterbacks. I still think that long-term they want him to be a receiver. And you saw it, it was a good throw to Trey Nixon. His real game-breaking abilities as a ball carrier. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't think anybody's going to miss that. But, if somebody likes him as a quarterback, 
you can't put him on the practice squad to develop him as a receiver if somebody else is going to sign him. So you might have to give him a 53-man roster spot. If you have to do that, well, how can you make the most of it? And it would be maybe running some package stuff with him as an emergency quarterback. And honestly, I think that's why, despite the fact that he's practicing with the receivers and he's wearing a, a white practice jersey like the receivers and not a red non-contact jersey like the quarterbacks and all of that, I think that's why he's still listed on the roster as a quarterback. So they can make him that emergency quarterback. So he he applies for that designation. It's a good point. Good point. But I'd imagine we'll we'll see a good amount of him in the, in the preseason because with these joint practices, that's where your starters are usually going to get most of your work, situational work. So probably not a lot of Mac, maybe not any Mac, if the joint practices go as planned for New England uh, in the in the preseason going forward. He's he's so. going to play at some point. They're not going to go the whole yeah. preseason without playing. I don't know what it, whether it's going to be next week in Green Bay or or in Tennessee, but he's he's going to play at some point. You'd imagine, yeah, but. If it good joint practices, it might just be like two or three drives or a quarter if that's how it adds up. But should good should get a good look at Malik Cunningham going forward in the preseason. But any other kind of offensive thoughts there that grabbed your mind from last night before we jump over to the defense? Uh, let me take a look at my notes. Oh, uh, oh no, we did running backs. Yeah, okay. I think that's pretty much everything. I just had. Good start RPOs, kind of. Oh, yes, yes. A lot of RPOs. Still those kind of basic bubble screens, probably, which, you know, we want them to develop into more downfield stuff like Mac did at Alabama, but just good to see them in there. You're still running like your vanilla offense, so maybe they, they don't want to open up the whole playbook. But just good to see Bill O'Brien. He's going to call him this year, which is what we've been clamoring Finally. for the last two years. Yeah, that's it's not even a Patricia thing. They were not a heavy RPO team under McDaniels, and yep. they should have been running RPOs with Mac Jones this whole time. So yep. absolutely on that one. Great point. I Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I had that good buried call. in my notes there. But um, yeah, let's hear from our good pals over at FanDuel real quick, and then we will start breaking down the defensive side of the ball. Because I will tell you that football season is about to kick off and FanDuel's giving you a chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. That's a good deal. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl. You'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. 21 plus and present in MA. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com backslash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. I hope no one bet on the Patriots plus three and a half last night. But uh, what was the over under? I think it was like 36, 33, 36, something in that range. So it, it was an under classic preseason under. Yeah. But um, yeah, defense kind of highlighted by the rookies, which is what you kind of want to see early on because Keon White was a monster and he said after the game he had one goal and it was to play physical he yeah. checked that box yeah pretty, he did that pretty easily because he was <laughs> all in the backfield 
CJ Stroud got a nice welcome to the NFL from a fellow rookie. And then he had a few nice plays in the run game. And then obviously that play where he just lit up their Uguambale in, in the backfield too for that, for that fumble. So really imp- impressive start there from Keon White. He was awesome. He, he, he was excellent. He was a ton of fun to watch. Um, I, I know I just kind of tempered expectations on Malik Cunningham and I hate the, the preseason overreactions, but if you'll allow me, they got a guy here. You've been getting your hand on a few balls in like the past couple of days. How much confidence would you say you gained just by being out here and getting the reps? Uh, that was Christian Gonzalez for a second. I think we had some te- technical difficulties on the back end, but um, I, I I think they got a guy with with Keon White. I think they got a dude. I think they got a playmaker. Everything he did last night, it, this wasn't just him. Like it's one thing for a guy, even as a rookie, who's big and strong to just overpower another player. It was also technically sound. Is that there's no wasted movement? That the the hands, the feet, it's all in sync. I uh, it, it, it was a clinic. It was a clinic. Keon White in his preseason debut put on a little bit of a clinic. And if that doesn't make you feel things, I don't know, man. And, yeah. and you take that play strength, you combine it with that motor, and then you add in that technique. I'm a little surprised they didn't take him in the first round. That's such a Belichick guy. I'm a little like, and look, I wouldn't have. And ultimately they didn't need to. This isn't a like, oh, Bill can't draft thing, but like I'm looking at this guy's like, how did they not? This guy checks every box when Bill was in his bag as a drafter, like 2010, 2012, right? The, the, the or 29 to 2012, the Edelman draft, the McCordy drafts, Hightower, Chandler Jones, those drafts. This guy fits right in with all of those picks. And I'm sitting there looking at it like they really, like they didn't even trade up in the second round to get him. This is so their guy in a good way. Um, I'm, if you can't tell, I am super excited about Keon White. Yeah. I was I had him in, like in my mock draft. I had them trading up early in that second round to to get him because he just fit that description of a I did too. Guy. Yeah, and I think didn't they kind of say after the draft or after that round that we kind of liked him in the first round too, but Christian yeah. Gonzalez fell to us. So yeah, they they've liked him a lot, and just to be six five two ninety and move at that speed, it, it was really impressive. There were a few of those mentioned the hit on Stroud that that bootleg, the way that he just kind of crashed and then changed directions to get to him, and he did it on, on Davis Mills one time too. So he he was awesome, and it looked like just Bill found another one of these guys along the defensive line that that's just gonna fit his play style so well. If Barmore can stay healthy. You have him and Barmore as your interior rushers. You go like like passing type situation. You only even have two defensive linemen on the field. You go him and Barmore with Uche and Judon coming off the edge. That's scary. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. You're going to be able to have some fun with that. And that's not even including Dietrich Wise, who had a good season last year. That's not including Anthony Jennings, who I thought had some really nice pass rush yep. reps last night. Uh, that's not including guys rushing from the second level as linebackers, whether that's uh, Juwan Bentley, Kyle Duggar, Marte Mapu. Um, yeah, yeah, his pass rush is going to turn it up this year. Yeah. It, it, it really feels like it. And they've just got another scary piece in Keon White. It really, I mean, it, it we'll, we'll nitpick because this is what you do on this day. You nitpick the rookies and, and we'll do it with Gonzalez as well. Not because because you'll come out of this game and say a rookie played really well and then go back and nitpick. Like that's sort of what happens. 
there's really only one play I look at from Keon White's game last night that I'm like, all right, you know, learning experience. And that was, I think it was the second play of the game. Simple sidestep, shove, move, beat George Fant clean. And he had CJ Stroud dead to rights and just over pursued a little bit. Stroud flipped the shoulders, rolled out to the backside. You know what I'm talking about? Blocked in the back. Didn't he get a little push in the back on that one? Maybe, but that, that's one we're yeah. like, yeah, he's still. Even, it's not even a down because the move to get there was so impressive, but it's like, he does seem like a guy to me that might overrun some quarterbacks yeah. just because of the motor. Like he's going to have to learn that there are times where he's going to have to slow down. So that's like a teachable moment. But I mean, if that's it, if, if, if the biggest critique is after an unbelievable pass rush move, he got to the quarterback too fast. <laughs> I mean, that's it the is. kind of play we're talking about here. It's, a good day. it's like, it's like with, with Bryce Berenger, I know we'll get into him, but yeah, his one shank was a 56 yard. I 20 <laughs> real tough. And they were, uh, they were moving them like all on the line of scrimmage. Right, yeah. First, or, yeah, first half, he was on the, the right side mostly, hand in the dirt, two-point stance, and then a little – he only played a little bit in the third third quarter, but they moved him over to the left side. Or I think that might have been the second quarter too on the left side, and he was just making an impact. Yeah, he did. Anyway. They had him interior a little bit too. Yeah, so you mentioned that pass rush. They're going to be able to keep guys fresh too because they could rotate guys, which will be big for those third down rushes, and that's going to be a, a really scary unit there. But we can flip to Gonzalez, the, the other you know top rookie there, because I thought he was fine, right? He had he had one of those nights for a corner where you don't hear a lot from him and it's good, but then he gets beat on one or two plays and you, get, you nitpick that. But I thought it was a good good start for, for Gonzalez there. Yeah, I mean he had he had to welcome to the NFL moment early on. Immediate first play of the right game. When Nico Collins put his shoulder through him. And and he even said uh, Jalen Mills told us he uh uh Jalen Mills told us Gonzalez went to the veterans and said I needed that. Yeah. It was a wake up call. So he knows how to play that better now. But I, I mean I, I was watching him a good amount in coverage. I, I didn't too. think he he got beat too badly. The one ball he gave up, he comes back and forces a fumble. So it's going to be like for a guy like Keon White, there's less of a learning process. Like he's got to learn the defense, but it's, you know, explode out of the stance and go. And it's just kind of refining what he's already been doing. Christian is also going to see some things in terms of routes, route combinations that he didn't see in the back 12. And, and he's going to have to pick up on that. And you saw some moments of that last night, but I'm not coming away concerned or anything. No. Uh, I'm not coming away saying he's not going to be a player. I just, he, he had, you know, it was, it was a growing night for him. I thought. Yeah, I, I it's also hard again when you compare it to how good of a white a night Keon White yeah, had. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't just say, "Oh, he was good too," because it it wasn't like, it wasn't like that. was fine, but it's not the same. Yeah, Keon Keon White was just on a different level that night. But yeah, I, I thought I was watching him a lot, and you know, you just those movement skills that we keep raving about. You you saw a lot of that. Yeah. There was one like I think it was a third down, or he just kind of lived in Nico Collins' pocket there, so. I thought it was a passing grade. They'll give him a passing grade, but then, you know, you'll see stuff as a rookie, as you just said, that he'll have to adjust to. So be interesting to keep watching him. He'll have a good test guy like Christian Watson next week. And then DeAndre Hopkins kind of those two guys in Tennessee, uh, Burks and Hopkins will kind of be a good test, kind of get them ready for maybe AJ Brown in week one. So it'll be fascinating to watch him kind of kind of develop as he gets more experience throughout these joint practices and in these preseason games the next two weeks yeah yeah i and it's just to your point about the movement i i think the one thing you saw from him last night that you can get really excited about was 
uh, the movement skills, specifically the recovery. There were a couple yeah. times he got beat initially and bounced back. And even on that play where he forced the fumble, he's beat clean and still gets to the point where he can knock the ball out. That's going to help him as he learns because he's going to get beat. And we've seen it in camp. Like he's going to get beat, but there's been times I go back to one of the one of the plays last week where he got beat clean off the line by Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean clean. And it still ended up with him getting a pass breakup because he just he was able to get back in position that that efficiently. So that to me last night, I was like, all right, this is transferring. And if he can continue to have that recovery skill, it's going to allow him to take some chances and take some risks as he rounds out the rest of his game. And that's that's why he was to me the number one corner in the class. It wasn't necessarily that he was this immediate, you know, I like he's an immediate NFL starter, don't get me wrong, but it was like the, the athleticism he plays with is going to allow him so much more room for error. And you saw that last night. And, and not just room for error to like, all right, he got beat, but he made the tackle. Like he can get beat and still make plays on the ball. And and that's what's exciting. And you kind of saw a little bit of that last night. Yep. Exciting stuff from him. And then Third rookie in that bunch was Marte Mapu, and he didn't play, but I thought it was just interesting that he was in Steve Belichick's kind of pocket last night, charting plays throughout. Yeah. I thought that was just kind of a, an interesting thing they showed on the broadcast quick, and we saw it on the sideline pretty much the whole game, charting those defensive plays. Uh, yeah, no, I thought that it, they tried to downplay it. I think they might be getting him ready. No, not this year, but eventually like a green dot. Green dot, 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's something a guy preparing for a green dot would do. Yeah. So maybe linebacker too. I'd like to see him more at linebacker when he's out there, I think, than safety. I don't know where you fell in, in, in that. I want to see him everywhere. I think that's that's part of the that that's that's part of the excitement is that he can, he can be, do you know, you need him at linebacker for this specific, like against the bills. I'd want him playing linebacker. Cause I think his best role in that game is fine. Josh Allen against the chiefs. I want him playing safety. Cause I want him helping to cover Travis Kelsey like that. I don't want him playing one position. I think the whole beauty of that pick and what makes him so exciting as a player is you can put him in all these different spots. And that's, what's going to enhance his, his ability. Game to game to game. Uh, game, game, game chess piece, chess game piece, plan defense. Sense of the word game yeah. plan defense as They like to tell us all the time. They are. But I thought one of the best safeties of the night was Jalen Mills, who had that nice interception on the first drive against uh, C.J. Stroud. Kind of, He was saying after the game it was man-to-man, but his guy, his tight end, stated the chip, so he kind of became that robber-type player, and he read it the whole way. And then he had a, a nice play in the run game, too, on that kind of star, star position down on the line of scrimmage. He said he just heard the offensive line talking and he just shot in there and made a nice tackle for loss. So good stuff for Mills and, and his first kind of true game as a real safety here in new England. I thought he impressed. I, I gotta be honest. I'm super excited that he's at safety. Now when they first signed him, I thought the idea was that he was going to be Patrick Chung's heir apparent. Now Kyle Duggar hadn't taken off yet, but I think him in that Rover safety role, like that's his best role. That's where he's at his best. He was so good there in Philly, and you saw it last night. When you let, let him play loose, when you let him just go attack the football, whether that's in the passing game, whether that's in the running game, he finds a way to make plays. So I, you saw it last night. I think you're going to see it more as the season goes on. And it's a similar role to Kyle Duggar. It's a little different because I think he's got a bit more speed, a bit more pop. You know, Duggar's more explosive, whereas I think uh, uh, Mills is more agile might be the best way to put it. But it's that's his natural role. I always felt he was a little out of position at corner. He he wants to be hitting. He wants to be hitting and he wants to be reading and reacting to the ball, not a player. And you saw what happened last night when he reacts to the ball. He makes plays. 
that's where he was best at Philly too, I thought. And, you know, when he signed, I think a lot of us said kind of that Pat Chun role and, and they kind of had to use him at corner like last year out of necessity when he was healthy. But yeah, I think letting him roam around that secondary versatility, play in multiple spots will be the best way to use him. So that, that'll be exciting to see that development there as he, you know, keeps getting those reps at safety and how that kind of impacts the rest of that safety group too. But uh, some other veterans, Anthony Jennings had a really good day. I thought yeah. a, lot of, a lot of pressures. He had that one sack that got wiped out, but a few pressures looked really good in the run game. And then, you know, next to him working with him, Daniel Aquale sack, a few pressures. So some, some good, good performances from some, from some veterans up, up front there. I thought Aquale had had kind of a quiet camp to this point. So for him to to make the plays he did last night, I thought was big for him. I thought that was outstanding for him. And and yeah, Anthony Jennings played really well as well. This is a guy that a lot of people sleep on, I think, year to year. But he's repping with the ones. He's making plays in the preseason. He's he's going to make the team. He's yeah. going to make the team. He's going to play. It's like a 35 40% usage rate guy last year. Probably about the same thing this year. I, I thought that was a good sign for both of those guys. Yep. I'd agree there. Uh, anything else defensively? I think that was um, basically the big stuff, the rookies, some veterans there. Yeah, what? I thought I, I, I will say, like, on the other, on the flip side of things, there's some guys in the secondary I would have liked to see more from. I, I didn't yeah. see a lot from jo- uh, Joshua Bledsoe last night. I, the Isaiah Bolden hype has kind of cooled off. He got beat a few times last night. He had a rough night, and I'm, I'm not even counting that Tank Dell catch. That was just a Tank Dell rules. He does. He was People awesome. Watch the show. Know how bad I wanted him in the draft. Although they got Pop Douglas in the sixth, so that might have worked out. But yeah, I I, I would have liked to see something more. And even if it, it wasn't Bolden, Amir Speed, uh, Rodney Randall, I thought had some issues in coverage as well. Speed made nice playing special teams, but with that Jack Jones situation looming, could one of these bat depth boundary corners kind of step up and claim that fourth role? I thought last night was a really good opportunity for Bolden to do it. I thought he was already maybe in the lead, but. Uh, not quite what I want to see from him last night. We'll see if he, he can get it in joint practices. Those will be big for him, but I was hoping for a little more from those second half defensive backs and just didn't see it. Yeah. They had a lot of trouble with tank Dell, <laughs> but tank Dell was awesome. So, I mean, tank Dell is just going to be like a stud tank. Dell's yeah. Gonna be Josh Bledsoe playing a hundred percent of the snaps. Does that say anything to you? Or is that just like, we don't have any other safeties because our big four are like roster locks veterans. Um, it, it doesn't tell me he's on or off the team. I think his standings may be a little less sure than I believed. I, so if that makes sense, yeah, you know, he's the guy I know they really liked last year. I, they bring in a, a bunch of d- athletic defensive backs that kind of do similar things to him. And I was like, well, they generally prefer guys who've been in the system. So maybe they'll favor him. And now I'm thinking, ah, maybe not. Maybe they actually do like some of these younger guys. So, I'm not saying like, all right, it means there's no shot he's making the team, uh, but I don't think he's as sure to be on as I did before. Not that I ever thought he was a roster lock. That's the thing, those younger guys. Because if a guy like Bolden could take a cornerback spot and then you it frees someone up like maybe Miles Bryant to play some safety, which we saw last night at times, and then maybe Josh Bledsoe isn't you know, needed on, on that 53, I'm sure they'd love to keep him on the practice squad if, if it ends up like that, but Something, something to monitor going forward there. But we can, before we get into the good stuff with the special teams from the night, we could uh, hear from our pals at LinkedIn now. Yes. 
we can if this there it is all right so special teams let's start with Behringer, I guess, because he got the he got the most work out of the crew from last night. Yeah, four four punts, I think, average 50, 50 yards, two down inside the twenty. He did have a touchback, and he had one shank, which traveled fifty six yards. So, kind of up and down, but you just keep seeing that that leg power. The one touchback was forty seven yards. That was something he struggled with at times in college at Michigan State. So. We'll see how that kind of develops as he gets going. But I don't know. Do you have any first big takeaways from Barringer's first live action? Uh, he was fine. Yeah, he's fine. You know, I, he, he got lucky on the roll on, on, on the on the shank. But the fact he got the first half and Corliss Waitman got the second half and he was holding for kind of everybody, uh, although he was holding for Folk and put a pin in that for a second, uh, tells me that he's he's the clear favorite right now. Yep, I'd agree with that. But yeah, Folk surprisingly took the first field goal uh, of the game. Only field goal. Only field goal. It did look when they were that Malik Cunningham last drive, uh, Ryland was warming up. So it looked like if there was a field goal or an extra point, it was going to be Ryland's. But the first drive of the game, that uh, 44-yarder, it was Folk, which we didn't think we'd see Folk. They know what they have in Folk, but... They went to him and he made that 44 yarder. So kind kind of an interesting development there on the kicking thing. I'm going to tell you my theory and I don't love this. This is not something I would do, but I think it might be what they're going to do. I think we need to what keep them all. Yeah. I I think we need to start having a real conversation about them keeping three kickers because Ryland handled all the kickoffs. Folk took the first field goal reps. You said Ryland might've taken the second. He might have also just been trying to stay loose. And you also saw Behringer holding for both of them. It's not like they were paired up starters and backups. They're gonna it's gonna be a tough squeeze. I don't think they're getting folk on the practice squad. Dallas makes way too much sense. Way too much sense to sign him away. If they want it, it, it look, I would just keep Ryland. He's good at kickoffs and he can hit field goals. They don't trust rookies. That's just the problem. They don't. So I think they want, they, they trust Folk on field goals, even if it's shorter field goals. I think that they want Folk here to kick field goals and then kind of bring Ryland along slowly and see how he is in practice and maybe have him kick some longer field goals in games first and, and see how that works out. Again, I wouldn't do that, but I think that's what they want to do. And, and then, you know, one of two things happen. Either Ryland, Ryland they, they're never confident in him in field goals, or Folk falls off because of the age, and then they just cut him, and Ryland takes over full-time. I, I I think this is a conversation we need to start having, because based off their usage last night, that's what they're going to do. Um, and again, I, it can change. It can change. But you guys know I, I have an act at this. I can kind of see them telegraphing Ross moves they're going to make. This is the move they telegraphed last night. Yeah. Now, it, Maybe they go to Green Bay next week and Ryland kicks all the field goals. We blow this whole thing up. Right now, We're three kickers, three, yeah. I think three kickers on the table. Yeah, uh, I agree. It kind of looks that way. I don't. I also don't agree with it. I think you have too much talent. Yes, let me be very clear. Yeah. I would not do this. <laughs> I would just keep Chad Ryland. Do not shoot the messenger. I think there's too much depth on both sides of the ball. If you want to keep six receivers or extra offensive linemen or – guy like Josh Bledsoe, you don't need the extra kicker, especially because, I mean, I get historically, statistically, rookie kickers are 
not great. They're I think like three or four percent below like the average uh, on field goal percentage, but nothing we've seen from Ryland so far is like hinting that he's going to be bad. He's not even on his misses. They're just like barely missing the upright. It's not like a Justin Rohrweiser while he's hitting like porta potties over off the side fields, but he looks good and, and he was consistent even in college. He was, I think at Maryland, he was 16 of 17 from 49 yards and in. So like he can handle those. He's a consistent kicker. So I don't know. He's got the leg. I would just keep him. He can do kickoffs. He can handle all the kicking duties, but it does kind of look like they're getting ready here to keep, keep both of them. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I saw somebody trade, say trade folk to Dallas. That's probably what I'd ultimately do. Yeah. I would, I, I, you I would get trade. a pick for him. I don't know how yeah, they know to that late day three, but it's a pick you don't have. Yeah. Um, that's what I would do. Somebody yeah. else. So I'll, 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 yeah, nope, not that this. Um, I wanted to, I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> so Bill got asked about this this morning. So remember the initial kickoff where it kind of bounced into the end zone. Yep. The Texans didn't pick it up for a while. And that's a live ball. You can, if the Patriots got down and picked it up, it would have been a touchdown. I think so. So Bill was asked if that was on purpose or a miscue. And he said he wasn't going to answer. I think that was on purpose. I think they were experimenting with something with the new rules. Cause uh, you know, it's a fair catch rule ball hits the ground if you don't pick it up you're just gonna get the ball where it hit the ground it doesn't roll in the end zone so you might see them try to down kickoffs like punt the teams don't want to return them if if i understand the rule correctly now the rule's not there's still a lot of gray area in the rule cam accord talked about this last week and some of this needs to be clarified but the nfl kind of sucks at rules and you're gonna see situations with this where it's not gonna be clarified until something happens that causes it to be clarified and who does that sound like putting you know the league in that situation that is we just talked about it with the quarterback rule bill belichick would love to find all the things that haven't been clarified and make the league make a ruling on them so you can say i'm just making an excuse for ryland if you want that's fine i think so i all right i don't think the ball was supposed to go into the end zone i think what they were trying to do was to get it to bounce at the 10 and stop inside the five make them return it right so I'm not saying that it was exactly what they wanted to do, but I also like, I do think it was supposed to roll like that. I do think it was supposed to hit it about the 10 and be like this low kind of squib kick. I wouldn't rule that out. Did you see when I think, was it Mike Reese who asked him this morning? I think yeah. so. Did you see Bill's smile? He, yeah. He, so when I say, he said, I'm not going to answer that. It was yeah. like, yeah, I'm not going to answer that. Kind of which, thing. Like, yeah, he, Kind of confirmed to me yeah. like that was the plan. And he, he tipped his hand a little bit. Oh, it's yeah. on the Patriots YouTube channel, the whole presser. You yeah. can check it out. But like, yeah, uh, yeah, he tipped his hand a little bit. I think that they were trying something. Yeah. I don't know what exactly. Again, and I don't think that ball was supposed to roll in the end zone. That would be my guess. But I don't think that that was supposed to be a normal kickoff. I think it was supposed to look weird. 100%. And there's, there's this weird balance too to this. And Cam Accord talked about this last week where – you want to experiment with the new rules but you don't want and to see how other hand. teams react. Right. But you don't want to entirely mm. show your hand. So I think that was something where like, Hey, we're going to try this. And if it doesn't work, it's going to look like you kicked it off the side of your foot. Right. So well, maybe we'll I'm giving them the, the benefit of the doubt. We'll put the rookie out there on his first ever kick yeah. in the, and just say, you know, let's try this. And then we can just be like, Oh, he had the, you know, he had the chips or whatever it was. So, That'll be that'll be interesting, but yeah, I think that was planned. You heard folks say in the spring, right? 
hey, maybe more teams are going to start squibbing it now with yeah. this new rule. So I think, and I also think Bill said one of his press conferences before camp, I think they said they have a rule meeting or something before the Green Bay, one of the yeah. Green Bay joint practices. So we should get maybe a little more clarity on some of those those new kickoff rules. But yeah, I think he kind of tipped his hand when it, with that smile this morning. So that, that was interesting to see that. I think that was definitely by design. Yeah. Yep. So I think that was pretty much it, unless you had anything else from the game that kind of caught your eye there. Uh, we mentioned uh, um, rather re- John Jones not playing, I think kind of confirms what we expected. I think he's probably dealing with an injury. Yeah, because he wasn't so- dressed. Right. And, and it was, I mean, the guys didn't play like Mac Jones dressed, Matthew Judon dressed. Uh, Trent Brown kind of dressed. Did you see Trent Brown? The, the sneakers. In sneakers. He had no pads on. He was stretching in sunglasses. Big time veteran has to practice with varsity because they need a body uh, vibes. Um, looks like uh, Joe Judge calling special teams. Go back to that. Yep. Didn't get, oh, didn't get any, any wind talk. Bill was asked about the scoreboard and yeah. the impact of the wind. And he, I mean, he wasn't lying. It was not a windy night last night. There was no wind one way or the other. So uh, it's Something not like it was windy outside the stadium that the, the board was preventing from getting in the stadium. It just wasn't windy. Yeah. So uh, I guess live bullets week one. What in Washington, like 30 mile an hour winds that day. Most likely. And then the only other kind of health related thing was no Ronnie Perkins. Looked like he got kind of banged up. Yeah, and, and Tuesday's practice, which I don't think we we were able to discuss at any point here. So, kind of a shame. It looked like he was. I mean, he had a long way to go for a roster spot, obviously, but he was making some plays in, in camp at times. But just just the injuries has been the thing with him. So, this speaking of the scoreboard, this will kind of be an interesting. Oh, wrong one. If it's distracting, you know how big it is. What when they're kicking there, and so. It, I noticed something with it because it's bright. Yeah. And if you're looking up to kick a field goal, like those bright yellow goalposts, if you're at the right angle, are going to kind of wash out, right, with, with the board. It gets dimmer as it gets dark out. It never gets dim, but it gets dimmer. I thought that was interesting. I I, I mean to ask somebody, if and this is like peak special teams football nerd, if there's a limit on the lumens a scoreboard can be behind, uh, behind the end zone, but – uh chris who asked the question is not the only one who wondered this but they they dim it they dimmed it a little bit to the point right i don't think it's going to be any more i I think naturally having the scoreboard behind where you're aiming is distracting especially if they're showing that tv view and you're essentially seeing you know yourself from behind like like the old remember on like espn nfl 2k5 how the video board was just a smaller version of the screen so you get like the infinity right i think that's inherently distracting i don't think the size of the new video board uh, adds to that, especially because one, they're dimming it and two. Yeah. They have, you know, when they say, you know, it's an investment, it'll pay for itself. Half that thing is ads 90% of the time. They're very rarely using the whole thing as a video board. So it's paying for itself. Uh, but that it, it, it's not like this overwhelming picture, right? Yeah. There's it, it kind of just looks like a billboard. Yeah. But don't worry. Cam Accord's next press conference, you know, me and Alex will be in there asking about the, scoreboard brightness and he'll he'll probably eat that up he'll probably here we go just turn the board yellow when the other team's kicking <laughs> i can't see the goalpost oh, i love it <laughs> just a I bright yellow board across oh what no we thought there was a flag we thought we saw a flag <laughs> or what who's like an advertiser that's yellow like 
Um, McDonald's. Hertz. Hertz Tom, yeah. Tom Brady's Hertz commercial. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Any reason to bring Tom back. Tom's going to start making other teams miss field goals. <laughs> there we Outstanding. Go. All right. Um, I think, I think we're good. Anything else you want to bring up and see in the comments? Um, no, everybody just go, go get this guy. He's right. You all know what I'm talking about. Go get this guy. He's wrong. That's all yeah. I see in the comments right now. Pile on. All right. We'll wrap it up there, but we will be back. Looks like they're practicing Monday before they leave for, for Green Bay. Maybe Sunday. That's up in the air right now. But So we'll be back at least on Monday to re recap that training camp practice. But in the meantime, go follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. I'm sure he's got tons of content at 98.5 The Sports Hub from last night's yep. preseason opener. You can follow me at I am Brian Hines. And of course, I have some content at patspulpit.com from last night's game. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in, and we will see you guys soon.